Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Beats. I am your host, Kelly Kennedy, and I am very fortunate to be able to share my tribe as I travel across the globe and meet incredible scientists and doctors and all sorts of practitioners and continue to expand that tribe to help engage and encourage and empower you to learn how your body really works. Because what we know from our heart to yours is that you have all the innate wisdom inside you to heal and that our job is naturally oriented therapists, medically enlightened doctors and specialists available here at Not Meds Global. The Beats podcast is about helping you understand that you have that power inside and what you need to do to help engage it, to constantly upregulate your ecosystem. Thank you so much for being part of our community. If this resonates with you, please go ahead and share this episode. We are always open to your comments and your questions as always. And welcome back to this week's episode of The Beats. Okay, welcome back to The Beats with Kelly Kennedy, and we have one of our favorite returning guests, Dr. Melina Roberts, who is joining us from Canada today, who has been a longtime friend and colleague of ours and is a true bioregulatory medicine practitioner and doctor in Canada. And we haven't hugged each other in too many years because of this crazy world that we live in right now, but I'm so excited to have you back on the show today, Dr. Melina, and thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And as we were saying, we, we did a little off before we recorded, we had a little, you know, connect and retune and catch, we up. <laughs> catch up and we were raising the vibration to make sure all the frequencies are in the right places before we, we got started today. So the last time we spoke, we talked about contact regulation thermography and we talked about all the bioregulatory foundations. What I would love for you to talk about today, I don't think we, I think we maybe touched about it at the end, is the amazing book that you wrote. So, um, so many people today have so many things on their plates, but the one thing that I think we can all agree upon who have families is that we want our next generation to be stronger and smarter and have an easier way about their life than we have. And so share, would you, about your book, your reason for the book, and take it away, Dr. <laughs> so my, my journey started um, as, uh, as a kid who had really bad allergies and eczema, and um, it was something that I just thought I was going to just have to live with, right? It was um, not, not the greatest thing. Everything I ate, I'd break out in a rash too, and... Um, lots of rashes and uh, and when I was about 13 a family friend said to my parents you know you should try taking her to see a naturopathic doctor and they brought me like we had at that point in time had no idea what naturopathic medicine was I had no idea if it would help me or not um, but we were open-minded and decided to try something different and um, we went and saw this naturopathic doctor and within a few short uh, short period of time all of my allergies cleared up so for me as a 13 year old kid um i thought it was just magic <laughs> so i didn't really understand how it worked or anything else about it uh, and then as i was going through school i was kind of gearing up to go to um, conventional medical school um, 
And what I found was that uh, the more time I spent in that conventional system, I wasn't really seeing people getting better. Um, so I thought that there's got to be another way. So I, um, I actually went and spent some time at a naturopathic clinic. And every single person who would walk in the room, I would ask them what their story was. And every single person had a success story. And I was just amazed by that. And I wanted to um, have that kind of influence on people's lives. So I decided to change directions and I went to the naturopathic college. Um, and so that was my beginning journey at the naturopathic college. And then in my second year at the naturopathic school, my dad was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. So um, it, yeah, uh, and at that point in time, honestly had no idea um, what to do or how to treat him, but I just started to dive into the research to figure out how can I help my dad and what is out there. And what I was amazed to find was that there was lots of different natural therapies um, to treat cancer that was in published journals because um, I was in school at the time, so I had access to all of these different journals and I could see that there was so much information out there. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't able to help my dad. He passed away nine uh, short months later. Um, but that started my journey in terms of um, looking for um, treatments for cancer. And, and that actually ended up being the focus of my uh, practice is treating cancer. Um, and I, you know, traveled the world like yourself um, to try to find practitioners who had answers. And w so I was able to more effectively treat cancer. Um, so, and well, I think that that journey also brought me into biological medicine too, because the, the clinic that when I first graduated from the naturopathic college, um, I heard that there was a clinic in Toronto that was having a lot of success in treating cancer. And so I went to go see, you know, like, what are they doing at this clinic? And when I walked in, like, everything that they were doing um, was like nothing that I'd learned in school. It was mm -hmm. completely different. And so I was like, what are they doing? Like, what are they learning? And what I found out was that he was practicing biological medicine mm. and that I needed to go to Switzerland and train with this doctor named Dr. Rao in order to figure out, do this biological medicine. So that's what got me into biological medicine and um, how I've been working. Um, and so, yeah, in terms of that, um, in terms of treating cancer, um, and so then people say, well, how did you get into like uh, writing a book about building a healthy child? <laughs> um, and how that ties in is that then I became pregnant and had a, and had a child. And I thought about, um, I thought about my childhood and um, my childhood and having allergies and eczema. And I wondered, you know, if there was a way to be able to prevent her from having these kind of um, allergies and eczema in her childhood. And I also thought of like my family history of uh, cancer and heart disease and wondered, you know, if I could prevent that also in her future. And what I realized was that um, anytime I'm treating cancer patients, 
one of the foundational aspects of what I work on is I work on their gut health. I work on imp improving how their gut is functioning. And so then I thought, you know, is there a way to be able to, tr to get her gut health in balance right from the beginning? Can we do it properly right from the beginning so that we don't have problems in the future? And it and what happened was that I came across like three discoveries. And so one of those discoveries was that the microbiome, so that ecosystem of bacteria and fungus that live within the digestive tract, that they um, that you form the foundation of your microbiome between birth and age three. So we have really an, a finite opportunity to build that microbiome right from the beginning. So, and that's the foundation that that person will have for the rest of their lives. Wow. So it, it plays such a huge role in terms of how we um, introduce foods in those first three years. So that was one thing that I'd discovered was that microbiome um, development. The other thing that I'd came across was um, something called onco, on, um, ontogenetics. And ontogenetics um, is the study of the development of, um, of, uh, of us from, from embryo to adulthood. And so what we find is that all of our organs start to develop in utero, and then they reach different stages of maturation at different stages as we grow in age. So understanding this can also help to us to properly introduce foods. So one of the things is that we're born with a hyperpermeable digestive tract, and it's hyperpermeable for the first year of life. So you have to be really careful what you introduce into our baby's lives during that first year of life, especially because of that hyperpermeability of the gut. But that also means that um, they're able to absorb all the different nutrients that are taken in. And, and the other really important one is that the pancreas doesn't reach full maturation until age two. And the pancreas is what releases the enzymes that help to break down grains. So that means that we can't be introducing grains before age two because we don't have the enzymatic capacity to properly break them down and metabolize them. So it only causes problems. So like one of the worst suggestions that people are making is to introduce cereals as a first food. And whether those are, you know, wheat cereals or rice-based cereals, they are not proper foods and we can't properly metabolize them. And so that's, that's one of the other key aspects, key discoveries. And then the third... That's great. Yes. Go ahead. That's yeah. amazing. And then, yeah, thanks. And then the third thing that we came, I came across, which... Um, I think we all intuitively know is that our bodies are hardwired to break down real nutrient-dense foods, not um, chemically latent, genetically modified, um, like preservative-filled foods, um, chemically latent foods. We are 
designed to break down real foods from the earth, from nature. Um, and so that, that's, so those three discoveries um, form the foundation of what my food introduction program is based on. So that just gives you some insight into how I, how I developed it. So it sounds like as you were treating cancer, you went, hey, how can I prevent all this from getting happening because it's all in their gut? So if we go back to how the gut develops, and I mean, I think I did know that, Dr. Lena, about the first two years, but what I don't think I was present to is the fact that once it's set, it's set. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's the foundation, So it's which is huge, right? So that's the and same gut flora that that you'll have for the rest of your life. And so that's why some people challenge, have challenges for the rest of their life. Or like for me, like it's, it's, a con like it's something that I work on constantly in terms of my gut flora. Cause I, I don't think I had that solid foundation. Yeah, I'm think I definitely didn't have a solid foundation. <laughs> and I had a very similar, you know, I had a lot of allergies, asthma, my dad had cancer, blah, blah, blah. How do you, ex I just totally off, but how do you experience gut issues? Are you testing it? Are you looking clinically at what's happening for you as you function throughout your life? I mean, my CRT, HRV say, oh yeah, your gut's great. Yeah. But now I'm sitting here thinking about what you're saying and going, oh, I'm deaf. I wasn't breast. I don't think I was breastfed. I don't, you know, there was a lot going on there. And I, I just didn't realize that it was for the rest of your life. Like you can't reset your flora at some point. Well, I think that like we can definitely have a, a better influence on it, um, but I think that you don't have to be as rigid um, with everything um, as I think that like in my life, how I, I need to be so rigid with my diet and I have to be more rigid with making sure I take probiotics and that I really take care of this gut flora. Whereas right. I think that there's some people who have a bit more flexibility and I gotcha. think the reason they have more flexibility is because they have a better foundation. Gotcha. So it doesn't get off yep. balance as fast. Perhaps, yeah. Because their balance is, their foundation is better. Okay. Yeah. And the um, ontogenetics, I, I, I love that you're bringing the presence and awareness to that because I think it's like an unconsciousness, right? Like we're growing these babies. We don't do anything really to grow the babies, yeah. but yeah. we'll sleep. And then the babies come out and, and now we're like, okay, they're, they're a human. But I don't think a lot of us give consciousness to the fact, for instance, that the pancreas has two years before it matures and develops and is at full capacity. So I would imagine there's a lot of other organs yeah. on that chart that go, well, you know, their liver isn't fully functioning until they're 11 or whatever the case is. Yeah, so in livers, I, I believe seven. Right. So Which is why I always didn't want to detoxify anybody until they were over seven years old. That yeah, was kind of my yeah. rule for yeah. that reason, because I don't want to stress a liver that's not even fully functioning yet. Yeah. 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 So and, and then you asked about like different ways to find out how their gut people's gut is functioning. And one of yeah. the major ways that I look at it from a clinical perspective is I ask everyone about their bowel movements, <laughs> right? Because their, their bowel movements tell me so much about what's going on with their digestive tract. So, um, and I think that having an idea, idea of what a normal bowel movement is, what an ideal bowel movement is, sorry, not normal, ideal, <laughs> but having an, an idea of what that ideal one is gives you an idea of if you are like off 
from ideal, then, then that tells us that, that there's something off in terms of your, your gut. So this, so one of my friends, colleagues, previous um, team members, this is bringing me back to a story that she just had a kid about not, not quite a year ago and she was breastfeeding and her diet was really clean throughout the whole process. She's fully drinking the Kool-Aid of bioregulatory medicine. <laughs> and about, I would say four or five months into breastfeeding, her child got eczema, what we call eczema, you're calling eczema. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, the child got eczema. So she took him to the pediatrician for the normal wellness check. And the pediatrician was like, oh, this, you're, you're, you're gonna correct. Oh yeah, that just happens. They, they, they start having allergies and Kate said, well, should I stop eating? Is it something I'm eating? And the pediatrician was like, no. And I said, it's definitely something you're eating. Start yeah. drinking Regulot, get your yeah. gut floor cleaned yeah. up and get that Regulot into the kid through your breast milk. Yeah. And literally the eczema that hadn't changed in three or four weeks, the minute she cleaned up her diet, Yeah. because I think that it's like, oh, well, I'm just feeding the baby breast milk. Yeah, that's yeah. great. But, yeah. but. Go ahead. Yeah, so this is something I I always talk about when I get a breastfeeding baby in my clinic, um, is is that I say to the mom like I hope you realize that you're going to need to change your diet um, in order to get this baby better, right? And and it's it's very true like you know like because i'll go through and I, we we practice quite similar so i go through and i need to test for which which foods mom has to avoid in order to get this baby better so um definitely what you're eating ends up in your breast milk and so that's why even when you're breastfeeding your diet has to continue to be really good so, so interesting so interesting. And then the um, hardwired to break down nutritionally dense food makes a ton of sense. You know, I mean, we're not designed. So we're not designed to eat Twinkies. <laughs> well, what's interesting is like, you know, you can see what people are feeding their kids, right? They're feeding them um, cereal, the Cheerios and the um, those little fish things, right? Like those are what people are. I remember even... 14 years ago with my daughter, they'd be like, they're like, oh, but what do you give them as a snack? And I'd be like, I have these, you know, I had like fruits and vegetables all cut up and ready to do with snacks. And yeah, it's definitely more work, more time consuming, but yeah, they are designed to eat real food, not all of these uh, processed foods that they're, they market now to kids. And so in your book, I would imagine you give people strategies and like talk to them. I mean, I actually know because I read your book, but talk to them a little bit about <laughs> what's in your book, if you would. Yeah. So I, I'll go through, um, like, I think that, yeah, what you have to realize is that um, anytime you're um, introducing foods, you, that anything, any sort of symptom a child has is a sign that 
potentially that food is not agreeing with their systems. So you need to be paying attention to that as you introduce different foods. So I usually say, you know, like we're introducing foods every three days. You're introducing it early in the day to make sure that you have the whole day to watch your child and see if they have any sort of reaction to that new food. And they can have everything from... Um, like a skin rash or a diaper rash or they can get snifflies. Um, so it's like all of these different things that we think are just normal. They could be spitting up, right? So all these things that people say, oh, well, that's just what my kid does, is these all can be signs that their system, that this food is not agreeing with their system. And it doesn't mean that they can never have that food. It just means that at this point in time, it's not agreeing with their system. And so we need to remove that food and have something else, right? So um, we, I do, so I go through different strategies like that and I list out all the different symptoms that could potentially, the child could potentially be having. And then I also go through like what foods to introduce at what point in time. And so it's um, a completely different chart than you would get from your pediatrician or any sort of even natural conventional or like natural book because I, I read through those books and I, you know, based on everything I was learning, I was like, this, this isn't the way we should be introducing foods. Um, if we wanna be building up a healthy gut flora, um, if we want to build a healthy child, like these are not the foods that are, are there. You know, at six months, you're, we're introducing hypoallergenic vegetables and we're doing some healthy fats like avocados. Those are the first foods that we introduce and you want to be breastfeeding for um, uh, exclusively for those first six months. Um, it, yeah, and really you don't even need to rush into introducing um, foods um, because they will thrive. Uh, the, like, the longer you can breastfeed, the better. Like it's gonna be the best thing you can do for your babies is breast milk but again if you're doing breast milk you got you've also got to have a clean diet <laughs> and and also you know like you need to be taking care of yourself you need to be making sure that your gut health is in in good balance and then you can pass on that good gut health that a good immunity um, to your child um, yeah so and then I, I yeah I go through the different foods to introduce um, at at each age um, and and really lay it out and make it pretty simple for, for parents to be able to follow with their kids. And that's yeah. so important because I think two things. One is that what we've always talked about in the bioregulatory approach is what's the underlying cause? Like regardless of your symptom, what's the cause? So you yeah. went like cancer, the cause is you have bad gut health. You probably don't drain your toxins because you have bad gut health. Let's go to your gut. And where does that start? Let's start there. So she went right to the cause. Yeah. With cancer when you're 42, well, because you screwed up in those first two years. So let's go back there and start afresh and new. And then the second is, I mean, it's, it's a joke, but not a joke. Like where's the guidebook when we're born that tells us how to, 
how to live. Like I'll never forget, Ian was an older, more mature father the second <laughs> time around with with our child, and I had been around babies my whole life. He never had. And when the midwife left the house at ten o'clock at night, we had the baby at six. So about four hours later, the midwife leaves and I turns to me and goes, she just left us here with this baby. We don't know how to take care of this baby. Yeah. yeah. I was like, don't worry. We got this. I'm, I'm, I'm confident that we got this. I got the, I got the food. We're yeah, exactly. Back. Yeah. So, but I can imagine a lot of parents feel that way, right? Like yeah, yeah. you leave the hospital or you've had this baby in your home and now you're like, and I'm supposed to take care of this thing. And nobody's told me how to do it and when to do it. And you know, the absorbent information out there is, you know, give your kid milk and give them rice cereal. And I have a a feeling, just a gut feeling that there's no cow dairy somehow in your book at all. No. (laughs) Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. (laughs) So how do you handle the parents that come in and go, I loved your book. Thank you for the guideline of exactly when to feed my kid and what. That is awesome. And that's a great gift to give anybody that you know that's pregnant. That's great gift if you are pregnant. That's great to know if you want to get pregnant. Because as we said on one of our previous shows for another friend of mine who was writing, who's writing a book about raising children, you start getting healthy yeah. the year or two before you decide to get pregnant to have a healthy child. Right. <laughs> but what, what is your, how do you approach the, like, well, my pediatrician said, I got to give him milk because I'm not producing enough milk on my own. Like, how do you handle the fact that you are the black sheep amongst <laughs> swimming upstream as you do, Melina? <laughs> um, and, and we miss you so much in the United States because we know so how alone you are over there in Canada. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but I did send you a friend so you guys can connect. Yes, with- yes, yes. Thank you. I appreciate it. Great. That. Because she also, Jane, feels very like, Dr. Jane yeah. feels very out of the loop as well. But what is, um, like, how do you approach that? Yeah. So, like, I would say my my best patients for following this plan are, are patients who, like, you know, their kids are coming in, but they have already, they're already patients of mine. So they already understand all of my philosophies. They've already cleaned up their diet. And so then when I'm saying, let's do this for your child, this is what we need to do for your child, then they get it and they're on board. Um, But yes, it's definitely a challenge um, when people go to their pediatricians and are told um, completely opposite information of what I'm giving them. Um, But I think for me, it's always just explaining the why, um, the reason behind why I'm recommending it. And and then they need to make uh, the decision themselves. Um, And I feel that way about you know, every, every, uh, every disease process or every problem I, I treat, um, you know, that happens in, you know, cancer treatments, treating thyroid, autoimmune disease. Um, our, our philosophies are just so different than what the conventional model is that, um, I can just give people information and I can give them reasons and I can explain why, um, and then they have to make the the decision that's going to work best for them. And, yeah. and I would imagine that you, throughout researching for your book, you came across a lot of 
resources that empirically, empirical based data that reinforced your reasons for putting this stuff in your book. Yeah, and for sure. Like, so like everything that I've written in my book is fully referenced. So it's, yeah, it's not just me making it up. It's, yeah, it's, there's, there's always a reasoning behind it. Well, and the reason I, I bring that up is because I know that like oftentimes when I hear Ian speak or I'm interviewing somebody on, on a podcast, we speak with such a surety and knowing but it's like you said, completely opposite information that anybody's ever heard before in their lives. Yeah. And so they're like, well, how did you know that? What, did you make that up? And, yeah. and did you have one kid that you tried this on? And now, and now like you're saying, you this is how you build a healthy kid. Cause look what I did. And she's only what, 13 or 14. She's daughter. 14 now. Yeah. 14. God bless <laughs> her. Um, and so like, how do you, how do you know it's going to work? That being said, I said years ago, when we got pregnant, like, okay, this is going to be the greatest biological experiment there is. We're having a kid and we're raising with <laughs> pure bioregulatory medicine. Yeah, yeah. What happens? <laughs> I'm super excited eight years in how it's going. <laughs> I'm super, super excited at 14 years in how it's going. Yeah. But um, how do you approach, again, the, like, I'm doing it the opposite of everybody else here's the references because a lot of people aren't going to look at those references like wh yeah. what do you what do you direct them to or how do you direct them just to your book or are there other resources I'm yeah sure. well yeah and i think that like within my book i have a lot of other references when people want to like explore um other information that's out there um and, and the challenge is you know is that um like this that my book really uh, goes against the grain, right? So it it's there's not um, at this point in time nothing really like complementary in terms of um, other people rec making similar recommendations because like like honestly all of them are recommending cereals as a first food, and right. you know um, and based on my research that's that's one of the worst things you can do. Um, the only thing that I, I found different when I was pregnant was. Um uh from uh dr Ro not royally but um weston price weston price yeah exactly and and, and, and i and i reference him yeah. and his work in my yeah and so that's definitely on like a similar page for sure yeah, yeah. sorry what were you gonna say about yeah um what was i gonna say <laughs> sorry <laughs> no problem um yeah i'm not too sure what i was my train of thought at that point. It's so really who, yeah. who is the best person as a reader for your book? So, well, I think that um, the best person is a person who's trying to get pregnant, is pregnant, um, and making those, those plans ahead of time, right? Because I also go through how to um, clean up the diet um, ahead of time, right? How to prepare the body ahead of time, um, making sure detox pathways are working well and um, making sure that your, your body is in the best health possible. And then, um, and, and that's, you know, part of building a healthy child is making sure that your system is in the greatest health and then and then what you should be doing throughout the pregnancy in order to keep your system 
um, in balance and as healthy as possible and then and then when you're having your your offspring right so um, yeah like in an ideal world you're doing the prep work before you're um, doing it during and while you're breastfeeding you're making sure you maintain your health so that you're producing the great best milk possible in order to build your baby up strong and then and then you're introducing the foods in to make sure that you build a really strong gut flora right from the beginning so and within that frame of reference of understanding what organs are functioning given the food you're introducing that they can break that down and utilize that dense nutrient yeah exactly yeah yeah because those right because everything we're eating is making up every other cell in their body so you got to make sure that those those nutrients that they're taking in is building their system up strong right from the beginning and is supplying the proper nutrients that every cell in the body needs in order to function yeah so i i think that it's you know that gut health is always central to how the whole body is functioning and if somebody like I don't know, they're three years old, everything's been going well, they've been pooping well, everything's great, and all of a sudden they get some kind of horrible infection. Um, and they end up with RSV and they end up in the hospital. And like how, from your approach, how could we prevent that or how could we shift and how we're approaching that if that was to happen? Yeah, and, and uh, like you, you know, we see we see this in our practice, and so it's you know realizing that about eighty percent of your immune system is housed in your digestive tract. So we got to work on improving that gut health. So balancing out that microbiome, making sure the organs of detoxification are working well, and doing those drainage. And, um, and then you've got to also make sure that you're healing up the lining of the digestive tract. Um, likely what can happen in those early years, if you're introducing the foods in the wrong way, you can end up with um, that hyperpermeability of the gut. And so you end up with those little holes and that just leaves you more susceptible to infections. So you, you need to do the work to um, take out all of the inflammatory foods that could be damaging that lining of the digestive tract and then work on healing up the lining of the digestive tract in order to help to reset that immune system so that immune system can handle um, any sort of infectious agent that comes into the body, including a virus. And I know that we're speaking very much in the 3D physical fashion right now. So I feel the need to switch gears. Because okay, yeah. We've talked about, you know, the, um, the microbiome and the flora. And, and, and we've talked a lot about the foods that we're entering and the liquids that we're entering. But are there other things that affect the microbiome outside of the foods and the liquids that we're putting in our mouth? For sure, right? So, <laughs> I mean, I know the answer, but I was just like fishing to get you to tell them the answer. Yeah, well, I describe it as that there's six stressors on the body. So there's food sensitivities, immune challenges, heavy metals, environmental toxins, everything physical, and everything emotional, right? So those are all the different stressors on the body that could potentially be causing problems. So you know, and that's part of what I go through, and we test for all of those different stressors that could potentially 
be affecting how the body is properly regulating, right? So bioregulatory, right? So, <laughs> um, yeah, and so I assume that's what you're referring to is all yeah. of those different stressors, including those emotional stressors. Well, and I think that, yeah, that's what I was trying to get to is the emotional stressors because yeah. I think that so many people are like, but I'm eating all the right food and I fed my kid awesome food for three years and all of a sudden they got sick. What is it? And as what we have found upon investigation is, oh, well, there's this trauma that happens yeah. or there's this constant fear that's going around the planet yeah. <laughs> uh, for yeah. a year and a half. <laughs> and, you know, like these talk, if you could just speak even generally about how that can affect the microbiome. Yeah, so, um, well, I think that what you can see is that, um, so I always go back to the physical because I have to explain it to patients all the time. But um, so anytime you have stress, then it stimulates um, the, the, what is called the HPA axis. So the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis. And that axis has been shown that if we have higher amounts of stress, that it affects the balance of that microbiome. So, and that can be stress from anything, right? So, um, it, and that can be from any sort of emotional stress that would activate that HPA axis, um, activate those adrenals, we get that high amount of cortisol, and that can throw off the balance of that microbiome. And that's actually like really well documented in, our, in research. Um, uh, I, I do lots of research into the microbiome. I, I really like the study of the microbiome. And um, it, it's really interesting when you get into that because then you get into um, the whole um, gut-brain connection and how um, closely integrated they are. And, you know, that microbiome needs to be in good balance in order for you to have proper brain function. And that's down to um, uh, what's interesting is that the brain, like the blood-brain barrier is also just like the digestive tract, it's also this one cell deep um, layer, the blood-brain barrier, that's held together by tight junctions, the same way that the gut is, is balanced. So, you know, we have any sort of, um, we have any sort of like toxin that gets in or damage, then we can have damage to that blood-brain barrier and then toxic loads could be making their way into, into the brain and then that's affect that and then that can affect everything from uh, mental health um, to how our brains function, our sleep-wake cycles, um, how we're even processing um, stress. It makes it, can sometimes make it so that we're not as effective at processing stress because of that imbalance in those neurotransmitters. So um, yeah, hu huge, huge connection between that gut and brain. Well, and I mean, my eight-year-old, we've recently made him do a few things that like, he doesn't like heights and we're trying to get him over that fear yeah. and making him do it. Like we've run the emotional work on it and all that, but it's a matter of just doing it, you know, and he's yeah. getting better, but he often comments and I'm sure we in the audience can make, oh, my stomach feels weird. He always says when he's climbing the ladder, he's my stomach feels weird, right? Well, this is exactly what you're talking about, right? Like there's this connection with great 
grain with grain huh gut <laughs> and brain health particularly yeah. brain will affect it by the way yeah. um because the serotonin that everybody thinks is made up in their brain is actually most of it's made in your gut. 90 percent is made in the the gut in, yeah. in the gut yeah and that's yeah. your happy hormone to make sure that you're happy so if you're stressed yeah this is all i'm thinking about like these kids are stressed yeah beyond belief like i i don't know a generation that's and and i'm every generation i'm sure could say it for some various reason of happens in the world but to be in a position where you're afraid that you're harming other people because you're not wearing a mask or that you could be harmed if you're not wearing a mask and you might die like the fear is intense right now yeah for these kids and i gotta imagine that's really affecting their guts yeah yeah i'm sure i'm sure it is yeah but I would also say that like most people also aren't eating a super healthy diet that helps to support their, their gut health in terms That's of the general public. True. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And, and if they're even younger, that zero to two range and they're, and in the last two years, they've been living in this stressful environment, feeling yeah. the stress from everybody, whether yeah. they feel it or not, they're getting it in the breast milk from the mom that's watching the news while she's wearing her mask and breastfeeding out at the restaurant and is stressed about it all that's going to affect the flora of the gut which could then set that kid up for a foundation of cancer down the road yeah or some sort of chronic disease right which is yeah right. which is what we'd like to prevent by taking care of things early um but yeah for sure i think that um that uh, our kids are are holding on to a lot of the stress that's going on in the universe, right? Um, they are typically, you know, children are just more connected to the energy of the universe. And, and right now the universe is going through a big transition and, um, and I, I feel like I'm sure children are, are feeling it quite strongly um, and whether they know how to express that or not. Is, is the other challenge. I know so you, I, you, you'd be able to, with your son, you'd be able to guide them through as best you can, but um, a lot of people probably don't even see that this is a problem. And ideally, if they're listening to this, they probably know it's a problem, but this would be a time to not give into, oh yeah, you know, everybody's stressed, let's have a bowl of ice cream to make you feel better. Yeah. But more about being more pristine with a diet yeah. to make sure that you're in reinforcing the good flora, the balanced flora that's up against all this stress all the time. Because I, yeah. I mean, so many people said to me, I'm sure they said to you like, oh, I gained the COVID-15, you know, the first six months of COVID. Oh, I've gained the COVID-15. I was like, what the hell's COVID-15? They're like, <laughs> oh, you know, when you go to college and gain a bunch of weight, I've been sitting at home drinking and eating bad food. And I'm like, what? Ian and I started to exercise more and eat better because we we wanted to optimize our immune system. Yeah. In those first few months when we didn't really know what the facts were, but we know that our immune system handles whatever it is. So optimize this, it'll take care of that. Yeah, and I, I think that that's what's happened. I knew like, yeah, we were do, doing the same thing in that 
and what I was saying to my patients was that, okay, well, this is like, we have to see this as an opportunity to make sure that we keep our immune systems as strong as possible. And understanding that 80% of your immune system is housed in your digestive tract. So let's make sure that, yeah, your diet is as pristine as possible because you want to make sure that you are taking care of um, your gut health. So you're taking care of your immune health um, so that your immune system is, is strong for whatever it happens to come across, that it can handle it. So... I'm so curious about this question. I really felt like I and I did a good job those first four years, five years or so with Silas's nutrition. And then as he went to school, you know, like he was in preschool, wasn't a big deal. He had all his lunch packed and, you know, he was the kid that couldn't use the hand wash and, you know, or the sanitizer hand stuff. And he had his toaster oven instead of the microwave and, you know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Then he went to like traditional public school. And I think, I don't think it was in kindergarten. I think it was in first grade. He came to us, was like, can I get school lunch this week? And um, Lena was like, he stabbed me in the gut. I was like, yeah. what? School lunch? Ugh. Like I'd rather almost eat at McDonald's than school lunch. But like, how easy was it? And, and I'm not trying to put any pressure on you and no judgment one way or another. I'm just curious, like, were you able to maintain the purity of your daughter's diet. I mean, she's 14 now, so I'm wondering if she went through a cycle because Silas is kind of going through a cycle. Yeah. And I know a lot of our clients go through the same thing. I think he's, and I don't like this whole like, ooh, he's better than most kids. I hate that. I hate <laughs> yeah. that whole comparison thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, can you talk to me a little bit about that? for my own personal gain. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I can, like, I'll talk from just my personal experience. Okay. Um, so yeah, like when, yeah, when my daughter was little, she, um, like, she ate really well, because, like, even when I sent her to preschool, I would actually just say that she was allergic to certain foods to make sure because what I'd heard from other parents was that if you just say that it's a sensitivity they're not as good at sticking to it and so you just tell them it's an allergy um, so you know we said she's allergic to gluten she's allergic to cow's dairy and they were amazing at making sure that she never consumed any of those foods and she only ate the foods that I sent for her so so those um for sure um those early years she her diet was perfect and i um and i would like even when she was really tiny i made everything from scratch so um so uh we could control it quite quite well um then as she kind of got older i'd say into kind of grade school age um i would do the okay um, if you go to a birthday party, you could have the cake, right? So then she was actually having some dairy and some sugar at these parties that she went to. So, so those were, you know, so those early times and then would be like, okay, if you go to a restaurant, you can have um, like whatever you want, right? Um, although, although I will point out that like I hate restaurant, like I hate kids. I hate... Oh the kids 
menus, menus. Yeah, we at never restaurants. Had, I, so yeah. she's never had, like, she's never really, she's always eaten off the adult um so, menu. Sal typically gets the so. wild salmon wherever we're at yeah, yeah exactly the most so expensive thing on the <laughs> yeah. menu. not the macaroni and they're all, they're always like oh don't worry we have macaroni and cheese and we're like oh no he wants wild salmon yeah yeah yeah, yeah so that's how my kid is now still <laughs> so okay. so she but because she, like she's never ordered off the kids menu even if like when i say we ate should eat something at a restaurant um you know like i don't like it would be it, I can't even think of it off the top of my head, but she would eat. She, it would be that she would end up with some wheat or some dairy in her diet. And then, um, and I tr can't think of the time frame. So that maybe happened, that probably went on for like two years or so. And then, and then she started getting like stomach aches from those foods when she would go out and eat them. And so she actually, even at, I don't know, she was probably like, I don't know, eight or nine or 10, I don't know. She, she took herself off of those foods. So now she's, she's really good at making sure that she doesn't have wheat or dairy in her diet. So it's, um, so, so that's where I feel like the transition of her letting her have it actually taught her to, to now be really good at um, self-regulating and making sure she 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 um, doesn't have it in her diet, but she was also like a kid who already knew what foods had gluten in them from when she was like five, right? Like she knew what gluten was, she knew what dairy was. She would be like, "Oh no, I can't eat that. That has gluten," right? Whereas like I know most kids have no idea what gluten is when they're five, right? Right. So, so that, yeah, that's been our, our kind of personal experience. And um, so she, she's, she's really good at that. It's not that she eats like perfect all the time, but um, she definitely stays away from those major inflammatory foods. Well, I appreciate you letting me put you on the spot there with that question. And I um, was very happy to hear the answer because I feel like that's what I'm starting to see with Silas. Like we let him have the foods at restaurants and at parties and different things. And now he's starting to make sometimes, not all the time, decisions to go, you know, I don't want all that chocolate or I don't want the frosting yeah. part of the cake or, and it's scary as a mom, as a parent to be like, eh, but it's that concept of teach a man to fish or fish yeah. for them. Yeah. And, um, I know for the community listening for the clients, I, I wanted them to hear from somebody else that that's like there is a point that we gotta like teach and then like back off and let them kind of learn and fall yeah. on their own because we're not gonna be there to guide them their whole lives and yeah. but if you're you can start to make these associations and let them start to make the associations with how they feel and how they ate and it's absolutely huge absolutely huge yeah, I think that that's so important to, you know, I, I see that with my patients and then seeing that with my child too, right? To be able to put that association that, you know, some of these foods don't make me feel good. So I need to choose differently. And I, I think like the same way you described Silas um, in, in him returning chocolate, not eating a whole thing of chocolate. I, I feel like my daughter's really good at that self-regulating too where um you know like even she just had um 
you know, like a bag of Halloween candy will sit in her room for like a year. And I'll be like, I'll be like, oh my gosh, you still have this candy? It's still in your room? And she hasn't touched it. Whereas like, I think like I would have like demolished all of that candy right. if it was sitting in my room. And, you know, she's very good at like self-control and that she's not, it's not a temptation. It sits there for a year and then we like throw it out. Because, <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah, um, it's, it's amazing. And, and what you've done and giving people a handbook of how to grow healthy humans. I think it's great for pregnant women, people that want to get pregnant, of course, but I also think it's great for everybody to read. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I know we said you can't restart your flora, but the knowledge in your book can help anybody start from wherever they're at to make the right progress forward to start to understand these associations that we were talking about. Yeah, for sure. And um, I think that... Um, and I, I've had like different people purchase my book and be like, you know, I'm I'm a grandmother. I don't have any kids, um, but I I really found it helpful in terms because I I go through it and I explain, you know, which foods we should be eating, why we need to be staying away from certain foods, um, like gluten and like dairy, and like sugar. Like what? Why are those problem foods? Right. So. Um, Yes, it, it really can benefit everyone to um, leading a healthier life. And would you share with everybody how they can find you? And then I'm going to ask you one more question. Okay. Um, so the best place to find me is my website, which is advancednaturopathic.com. Um, the place where I hang out the most in terms of social media is Instagram, and my handle there is Dr. Melina Roberts, and um, I I post a lot in terms of she I does her posts are poster. great. They're they're quick, usually like one sentence or a picture of just like mic drop. Like every one of hers, I'm just like, oh, there's another Melina mic drop, another Melina mic drop. And she just got, she has them all the time. I love following you on Instagram. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I do. I do a blog post. I try to do one once a week and then, um, yeah. And so, so then there's, there's some, oh, actually I, I also have a YouTube channel which oh. is, is growing quickly too. So, Good. Uh, which I, I don't, I think it's under advanced naturopathic or it's under Dr. Melina Roberts, but um, it's where all my blogs are posted too. So um, yeah, so there's, there's lots of different ways to, to reach me. And if you go on to the not meds page, there's a link to her clinic under resources under centers. Oh, okay. Thank you. Yeah. And she also, um, her book is also listed oh, on my... our, yes, show your book, please. Here's my book. So cute. I love that <laughs> it picture. It is cute. Yeah. So cute. <laughs> um, and you can buy her book anywhere you can buy books, but there is a link on our uh, website okay. so you can easily find her book. And so when I had you on, I think this is your third episode of I The I think Beats. it is my third. Yeah. I think it is your third. Yeah. Um, I don't think I did it on the first two because I didn't have this then, but one of the things I've been doing for the last, I don't know, half a year, bit more is if you had the, you know, the last two and a half years, I don't, whenever you're listening to this, it's been two years of COVID and we're done. We're like <laughs> so fatigued from it. We're so over it. Yeah. But 
you know, I know both you and I could share a stage with a microphone and scream to the world what we want them to know. If we yeah. somebody would just give us the opportunity <laughs> to get them to wake up to sh teach them how their body really works, yeah. correct? Yeah. So let's say your wish is answered and you get to have the microphone that 7.6 billion people are going to listen to tonight. It's mandated that the, <laughs> the message from Melina, Dr. Melina Roberts. Yeah. So what is the secret? And it doesn't have to be medically, you know, and it doesn't have to be about medicine, but just in general, in your life, you are a beautiful woman inside and out. You're successful, incredibly successful doctor, beautiful wife and mother and daughter and family woman and humanitarian and i mean i just have so much respect for you oh, truly you. Yeah. and you know incredible educator and author and what's the secret that you want to give to everybody so they can too experience a little bit of what you get to experience in your life of the joy that you get to surround that you get to swim in every day <laughs> um i think like to me it's it's just um I think one of the key things that I think people really are missing is is that our body has an amazing ability to be able to heal itself. And I think that we really understand how the body can produce um, disease. And, um, you know, like we un have this understanding that the body produces tumors. Um, at, you know, as I treat lots of cancer patients, but we don't seem to grasp this concept that, that as well as that body can create disease, the body is also able to heal itself. And all we have to do is set up this environment within the body to allow it to be able to self-heal and self-regulate. And it's, um, and it's completely possible to heal the body of of any kind of ailment that it might have and i think that that's to me so key and um, so important for us to understand is this self-healing mechanism that all of us have all of us have the capacity to be able to do it and we just have to um, guide the body and um, help to give it, you know, the the right resources in order to set up that environment that allows it to self heal. So to me, that that would be the the key to um, to like living this great life is that um, we just have to set the body up to be able to heal itself, and and then we get to um, enjoy the, the benefits of that of having this healthy this healthy being. Another mic drop by Dr. Melina Roberts. <laughs> I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Is there any other little tidbits you want to share? Um, my, well, you said mandates, and I was going to say I don't believe in mandates. <laughs> Good. That's you that's know, what I, that's my I I don't believe in mandates. This is yeah I, I agree with you completely. Ian's ongoing joke is that a mandate is when two men go out on a date together. Yeah, that's the yeah, only mandate he totally believes fine. in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the only well, mandate that, I totally no. am supportive of that kind of mandate. <laughs> Me too. A any other any other mandate I am not supportive of. <laughs> Agreed, sister. Yeah. Agreed. But 
Um, I am so appreciative of you and having me on your podcast. And I always love to spend time with you and chat with you. And I'm super appreciative of the work that you're putting into the world and educating the masses about bioregulatory medicine. So um, I am so appreciative of you. Oh, much love to you. I look forward to hugging you soon, sister, when we get these yes. mandates out of the way and we can yes. actually like move forward in our life. Yes, me yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you are in Canada and you're on the West coast of Canada, I don't care, somewhere from the middle on over, <laughs> go to Calgary, check out Advanced um, Natural Healing with Dr. Melina Roberts and you will not be disappointed. Get her book, give it to all your friends read it, know how to build a healthy human and enjoy your day truly from our hearts to yours. This is the beats with Kelly Kennedy. And we send you the most blessed, beautiful day, knowing that your self-healing mechanism is the big secret that we want you to know about. And yeah. I'm so happy to have shared this time with you today, Dr. Melina. Thank you so much. Yes. Love you, you, everybody. Love you. Hello, and thank you so much for joining us and spending your time here with us at The Beats with your host, Kelly Kennedy. And I know today more than ever before, you now know better how your body works. And at the very least, we hope we've helped you raise some questions and help you continue to investigate. We are here to help you naturally optimize a better version and vision of yourself on every single level. And after today, you can better engage your innate intelligence and allow for proper regulation and proper regeneration. Make sure to subscribe to never meet, miss a beat again. We hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. And just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for medical advice or professional advice and care by your doctor or other qualified medical professionals. This podcast is created with the intention to provide information and education. This podcast is created with the understanding that does not constitute professional advice or medical services. If you are looking for help in your journey and seek a qualified medical practitioner, or if you're looking for a biological, not meds practitioner, we can help you. Someone who's trained and a licensed health coach and someone that can help you make changes, especially when it comes to your health. That's what not meds mission is about. I hope you have enjoyed listening again to this podcast. It's one of my favorite things to do. And if you do, please feel free to share it with your friends, your colleagues, uh, for the tips of living the biological foundational life and living in the flow. And if you have been listening and love the show, please do leave comments. We love reading your comments. We really do. And you can subscribe to us wherever you hear your podcast. Thank you so much from our heart to yours.